0: This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley has over 33 years in the trucking business, moving ag and construction equipment across the country. For more information, go to valleytransinc.com or give Parker a call at 800-657-4910. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. in the 21st
1: century Hard-working people working hard for time, and time
0: again. through the years you'll find iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast, Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Sean, do you like free stuff? I love free stuff. Well if you send an email to marketing at axontire.com, dot com, they're gonna send you a, a free pair of deer skin work gloves, especially coming into this December or January time frame where it's gonna get real cold. So <laughs> if you want some, make sure you send an email to marketing at axontire.com. dot com. Are they, are
2: they are they alligator proof though? That's what I need to know.
0: Uh, I don't they're deer skin, so I mean <laughs> I don't think so. I think, that'll, I think that'll be I feel like they can go right through that. <laughs> And if they don't go right through, they just twist it off. So it's <laughs> kind of a no-win situation there. All right, so Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at eight hundred six five seven four nine one zero 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy ag equipment from dealer an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help finance it. You can even apply online at AgDirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at AgDirect.com. I almost made it through, Sean. I got real close. Got real I close. can
2: see I, I can see you're getting off to a much better start than you did last year at this time. <laughs>
0: That's questionable. But, hey, you know what? When you're at the bottom, you just, it's easy to go up, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, man. Well, Sean, uh, you know, here we are, the... Uh, fourth day of 2022 and you know that that two weeks that we kind of took off here where we didn't really have much to talk about we thought actually was quite a bit of stuff going on in the market i'd I'd never seen that much volatility in the marketplace um that late in the year when supposedly everybody was off so i guess as you take a look at this last last you know week and a half or so of, of 2021 going into 22 what are some of your thoughts there
2: well, I think the Omicron virus created a lot of volatility that would not have been there otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have your typical index rebalancing, hedge fund reshuffling. You know, there's a lot of things that happen at the end of the beginning of the year that kind of create some of that volatility with low volume. And we've had a little weather, you know, come into the play in terms of expanding drought in Argentina. Um, you know, and just just a lot of a lot of uh, there's just a lot of worry out there. Um, you know the the constant uh, problems with just getting things done. It, the the Omicron virus, the the airlines can, canceling thousands and thousands and thousands of flights. Yep. It's just just it's not making anybody feel comfortable. So I'm not sure people know what to do, and that's why we've been having this volatility. There are some days I feel like it's 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 bullish or it's it's inflationary, and they wake up another day and they think it's deflationary and they want to sell it. So I think will things will clear up as we get into. Mid-January and, and and ultimately, I do think it's going to be more of an inflationary uh, takeaway, um, but but we're not quite there yet.
0: So, yep. all right, let's talk about hard red winter wheat for a little bit here. As you take a look at that massive amount of, of wind that came through Kansas, Oklahoma, um, and the damage that was done because of that. You know, you look at the at the dust and dirt and everything that got blown, got blown across the crop, and then you know, follow that right up with a pretty hard freeze that we saw here uh, the week week ago or so um i was made it back home to, to wichita um over over christmas I had a chance to talk to some folks and kind of see what was going on out there and there were not there weren't a lot of uh, optimistic people when they started talking about their wheat crops so i guess what have you been hearing about that in the markets kind of starting to reflect that a little bit but i'm sure some of that um rundown we saw towards the end of the uh end of the year there was a lot of profit taking the last few days of the year so i guess as you take a look at, at wheat what's your thoughts there
2: and then, and, 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 you know, Biden, and apparently Biden and Putin had some exchange about something, about oh, something, and maybe...
0: They had something. <laughs> that's what they had, yeah.
2: And maybe, you know, maybe he'll thought, you know, well, maybe that means the the tensions are going to come down over there, and maybe that was triggered some of that profit-taking you mentioned. Bottom line is this. It's the one area that's been missing out on the precipitation. We talked about this, actually, I think our last program before we ended for the year, you know, is, is that, uh, you know, Texas Panhandle, Oklahoma can't that whole that's just they just haven't been able to dry a uh, drop of rain very very dry terrible conditions um and even though we've seen these dust storms and all it doesn't necessarily create specific damage but it does make the crop extremely vulnerable now to winter kill if there's not sufficient snow cover we had we had a minor event as you alluded to uh, a few days back but i think we could get far more profound winter kill events now that the whole pattern Mm -hmm. is finally kicking in here um you know we we think we get some really cold pushes here you know deep into the center and into that region and so you know with not a lot of snow cover uh you know it's always a delicate balance that you get snow cover just before the cold or whatever but i would definitely be looking for the potential for some winter kill price spikes here in kc winter wheat i think there's a really good chance this is going to happen or it's a good chance we could see that happen over the next 30 days
0: yep so so Speaking of the weather and, and kinda of bring that up that the jet stream like you've talked about, the huge dips in the the uh, longitudinal jet stream and, and those kind of things that, that we've talked about in the past, we're starting to see that now, right? So you're starting see this the jet stream will make a run down, then it'll kinda of retreat back up, run down, retreat back up. And and if you do take a look at the um, any any weather map that's out there, there is some extremely cold air in the Arctic right now, like you talked about, you know, record temperatures up there. When you take a look at, like you talked about, this first week of January um, and going through January, what are some of the things you're paying attention to as far as this, these new weather patterns that we're starting to see develop?
2: Well, I, I think there's, I think there's a few important points. First of all, why did this not start in mid-December when I thought it was going to start? I, I think I think we need to just backtrack a little bit because what we have is we have a negative quasi-biennial oscillation. We've talked about this, which is a East to west high stratospheric wind with a La Nina. This is historically very very cold, persistent wintertime temperatures, and it creates a lot of polar vortex distortions, which is what you, which which is what's required to get that jet stream undulating to get that cold air coming in. Why did it? Why was it delayed? And one aspect. Um, Of a negative QBO La Nina years, it's very susceptible to, uh, that is the months of December, January, and February. Those uh, three months only, the winter months. very, very vulnerable to solar uh, sunspot output on a a daily, weekly basis. Meaning, with low sunspots, you get a center east-based cold. With a higher sunspot number, you get a west-based cold. And um, I, I wish I could show a chart, but if you look at the chart of daily sunspots, we had almost no sunspots in, in early December, and then we had. The, and right, now, right by the way, we're starting Solar Cycle Twenty Five, Casey. So we're all, we're starting the ramp up to the next peak here over the next couple of years. So so we are getting more sunspots, um, but it, it comes in these bursts, and we had a huge burst from zero. 150 sunspots. If I showed a chart, you'd see how it's the biggest surge we've had during this new phase going uh, going in the upward part of this cycle. And if you look at when all the weather models started to shift to a warmer pattern and to a western-based pattern, is it was almost exactly when that solar cycle period, uh, sunspot cycle blew its top off and, uh, and it set off that record cold out west Feet of snow out west. I mean, just really harsh winter conditions. And now the sunspot cycle has collapsed. We're almost back to zero exactly when all the weather models now are going for a central east-based cold and a more persistent pattern and a polar vortex that's distorted. So that now says that we are in this pattern. Um, And if you look at the cycle of how these uh, sunspot surges occur, about every 30 days, you get one of these bursts, and then they calm down. One of these bursts that calm down. Uh, every 60 days, you get a, a bigger burst. So we already had the big burst, which means the burst that we expect to have at the end of January, early February should be a pretty modest burst of sunspots. That means it keeps this pattern, the central-east pattern, pretty much three-quarters of the country Blisteringly cold, lots of snow, uh, lots of volatility, but but bringing that polar vortex in, and it should be a very persistent pattern. These negative cubiola La Nina cycles means that the vortex is going to continue to be distorted over and over again. Now, once you get to March, the solar cycle impact doesn't it doesn't really impact the the cold weather pattern anymore because of the the nature of changing of the seasons. But I'm pretty confident that. Even though the pattern got delayed because of this unexpected surge in sunspots, I don't believe that the pattern is is not going to happen. I believe now it is happening, albeit maybe two to three weeks later than it should have. So I'm pretty comfortable that we're looking at right now, if you do an average heating degree days, that is to say you look at all the 55 models and what they're projecting out into the end of the month, we're looking at heating degree days of somewhere around 1,000 or 1,000 plus. That would be one of the coldest Januarys since in the 2000s. So um, that's kind of the pattern that we've been anticipating, Casey, um, and we we're really surprised that it didn't happen in mid-December. We understand why it didn't happen, but it was just one of those factors that we just couldn't predict that kind of a surge in solar output at that in in that kind of a moment in time, but I'm comfortable now. And we have been talking about this pattern change that it's here that we're in it now. And and this definitely changes the demand for natural gas. What's going to happen to, um, you know, winter wheat and a lot of things we've been talking about the planting season coming up and potentially late spring freeze potential that could really make the planting season pretty, pretty interesting this year.
0: So. Okay. All right, so on the same topics, jump down and talk about South America and what, what the corn price is doing right now, and soybeans as well, if you take a look at that, um, that La Nina uh, cycle that's going on in Argentina and in certain parts of Brazil, has not let up any. You, you alluded to that Um uh, probably about the first part of December, uh, about a, a stratospheric warming event that was going to uh, really kick off a dry a dry phase in that area, and and lo and behold, it's really gotten it's escalated and gotten worse. So I guess as you look, what's going on in South America, corn and soybeans? What are your thoughts there?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the center South Brazil been singed, um, center North Argentina been singed. It's it's just, just cause some really challenging conditions. And at least in Brazil, certainly first crop corn and, you know, the soybeans that are grown in that region are impaired. There's no mm-hmm. question about it. Now, now Western soybeans and the Western areas had good, good weather. So it's not good, it's, I wouldn't call the Brazilian soybean crop a catastrophe. I would call it expectations were for a record crop. I think it's going to be good, but not great because of the problems in the Southern part of Brazil soybeans. Second crop, corn, is the key for, for corn. I mean, that's the big crop. That's the crop that, they, that delivers the exports. Um, and they're just about ready to start planting that. And that's out west. And west has had good weather. So I think the jury is still out, Casey, on, on corn in Brazil. Certainly corn in Argentina is a lot of trouble. But when you really think about Argentina, their claim to fame is growing soybeans and selling bean oil and bean meal to the rest of the world. That's really what they do. Um, and so I believe that if you're looking at how the markets have been trading, the soybeans have really been leading here. Um, the bean meal has been really been leading here. And now the bean oil is starting to catch a bid. The Argentine drought is really a soybean complex-centric weather issue at this point. And so I would continue to look, especially at the bean meal and the bean oil, as places where further weather premium could be built in here as we continue this overall drought cycle into the first, you know, a lot of part of the first quarter.
0: Yep. Okay. When you look at, I mean, typically we talk about this on Thursday, but I've just been watching it all week here, and I'm I'm just kind of really baffled by more than anything about the dairy market. When you look at Class Three milk, Class Three milk has had. I mean, I've I've been following it that long, so I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I'm some kind of expert in Class Three milk, but the volatility in Class Three milk has been like a two dollar swing. In almost uh, you know ten days, it's trades up above twenty, and then it'll get almost to twenty one, then it'll drop back down to eighteen, you know fifty ish somewhere in that range, and it will jump back up to nineteen. in in a In a market that is that is really controlled by supply and demand, and uh, really more than anything, government inter- intervention. And in a lot of ways, w- what's with dairy in and, and, and these huge swings of volatility right now?
2: I think Omicron created a lot of fear. Uh, you know that we're going to shut things down, and restaurants are going to close back down, and we're going to be dumping milk on the ground. I mean, that did, that was just not that long ago. Right. We were doing that, and so I think that brought a lot of downside volatility, some panic selling, you know, by producers. But saying, oh my gosh, I, these prices are pretty good. I can't let this slip away. Um, at the same time, our production's down. It's down in Europe. It's down in New Zealand. I mean, production's down. And, and overall demand is better mm-hmm. so you have you have a supply demand mismatch at a, at a seasonal time that we tend to have you know pretty good demand so that brings out the buyers saying hey wait a minute I need product I don't have product I can't get the damn thing shipped <laughs> right so I'm just, I'm just gonna go in and buy it so that's because it's been causing this back and forth action prices are historically high only 2014 have we seen first quarter prices. Higher than they are today. Of course, costs are much higher, right. so the profit margin is, is is nowhere near where it was in 2014. But you know, certainly at this price level, and with the seasonal demand likely to come off here in the first quarter, we do think that there's going to be some easing back of milk prices um, in the first quarter. Um, and we think a lot of times you you do see volatility. Happen at tops like this, where you get back and forth, and then finally you get kind of a uh, a breaking down in the market. So we're still thinking that's we're not looking for anything any major decline, Casey. We're very very constructive this market heading into the you know spring summer of twenty two. But we do think we could have a minor setback.
0: yeah Okay. All right. Last but not least, um I, I mean, if, if we kind of head out of twenty one going into twenty two, if you look at all the situations that we have as far as Drivers of the market, Uh, the biggest one far and away is is absolutely weather, whether it's dry or dry or possible cold or whatever it might be. Do you anticipate that the uh, first quarter of 2022 is going to be driven by a weather market?
2: No doubt weather is going to be a huge player, um, especially with the cold weather pattern now kicking in in the U.S. It now sets off uh, this this whole cycle that will carry us all the way into uh, late spring. Lots of volatility, lots of cold weather-driven weather issues. And of course, um, you know, in, in South America, it's going to continue to be the drought concerns that we have. Now remember, Casey, though, big transition year. La Niña is going to fade and end as we get to late spring, and we're going to start moving towards El Niño uh, later in the year. This is going to change everything. All the weather patterns are going to shift. All the uh, weather extremes are going to shift, and there's different places are going to be And different markets are going to be the epicenter of this shift of the guards of this new weather regime. So, so I would say into the spring, it's still La Nina pattern. It's still on. We're still looking at those same markets that have been impacted by La Nina. But as we shift gears into the back half, we need to shift our focus on which markets um, either have a lot of up or downside, depending on because the weather is going to shift in terms of who gets it and who doesn't. So, right on.
0: Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Happy New Year, and uh, it's great to have you back here in 22. Look forward to uh, working with you again here. So folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is that you've got going on there at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that?
2: Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information, podcasts, white papers to get people a clear indication of what we do and see if we can help. Right. And yeah, happy new to you, to you to, uh Casey. I'm really looking forward to this program. I think we're going to have a ton of excitement, lots of volatility. Uh, hopefully we can give some really good information to your listeners.
0: Yeah, I think so. So looking forward to it, man. Well, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast.
2: Same. I look forward to Thursday. Right on,
0: man. <laughs> Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to movingironllc.com for all the latest information about the Moving Iron Summit that's coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th through the 7th and 8th. I'm trying to twist Sean's arm here to see if he can't come and, and give us another, another uh, uh weather report while we're there and kind of what's going on with the commodities and this will be an interesting time again just like we talked about last last fall going into this fall um you know a whole new thing of of weather events and those kind of things taking place so hopefully sean will sean will say yes to that and we can we can move on with there but sean i, I know you will because we already talked about it so it's cats out of the bag folks so well, yeah, there you go. and i can <laughs> and i
2: can tell you it, it will be a very very different presentation because it'll be a completely different weather scenario from the one we've been talking about for the last several years mm-hmm. and um so I, I and once again you always seem to time these conferences right when things are because that's exactly when the el nino is just mm-hmm. about ready to kick in and it's really a, set of a completely different dynamic so i'm pretty excited to to share that and 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 kind of discuss you know where things will be different and which markets will be impacted both good and bad
0: so. That's what I'm good at doing, Sean, timing things just perfectly. So that's, <laughs> that's what we do. So. All right. All right. Well, I am Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful, competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley has over 33 years in the trucking business, moving ag and construction equipment across the country. For more information, go to valleytransinc.com or give Parker a call at 800-657-4910. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours.
1: Moving iron in the 21st century hardworking people Find us here Moving higher